attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. I do want to get to Russell Westbrook losing it on a fan and the thick skin of Knicks owner Jim Dolan, and we'll do that in just a bit. However, if you ever wondered what it would take for us to talk about Wake Volleyball on this show, it turns out all that needs to happen is their head coach get charged by the FBI. That's it. I didn't think it was possible for there to be a common thread between the FBI, Wake Volleyball coach Bill Ferguson, and Rebecca Donaldson... From Full House. But, here we are. Hold on, man. Wait, 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 wait. That's not Rebecca Donaldson. It's Rebecca Kasopoulos. Oh, Thank my, my apologies. My apologies <laughs> to that. Desmond Johnson is producing this show, and he's keeping us. He's keeping the ball in the fairway. Keeping the mustard between the buns on today's show. But here we are. As Lori Laughlin, who played Rebecca Donaldson. No, Rebecca Kasopoulos. On Full House. That's what we know her as. She was charged with conspiracy to commit mail fraud, whatever that means. And Ferguson, Wake Volleyball coach, was charged with conspiracy to commit racketeering, which subsequently led to Wake suspending him immediately. So a domino has already fallen. To make matters worse for Wake, the basketball season ended in the opening round of the ACC tournament earlier this afternoon. And I believe Danny Manning has just coached his last game at Wake Forest. It's almost impossible for me to believe Wake brings him back. Mostly because I believe the powers to be, they've already made a decision here. The powers that be, they've already made up their minds what's going to happen here. This has been a very pronounced, a very stretched out process here trying to determine what the right thing to do is because usually a coach is put under the microscope around this time of year when you underachieve. Wake knew they had a bad basketball team this year and the the microscope became very bright the moment they lost to Houston Baptist the day after Thanksgiving. And it has just gotten worse with the losses to Richmond on the road by double digits Losing to Gardner-Webb, even though Gardner-Webb won the Big South and they're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. The facts are this. It's the second straight 11-20 and 20 season for Danny Manning. It's the third 20-loss season he's had, and he's only been at Wake for five years. They wouldn't announce a decision this week, I don't think. I don't think they want to take away the shine from the ACC tournament in Charlotte, they didn't, after all, when they let Jeff Bizdelic go. I believe that happened on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So the soonest we would hear an announcement, whether Danny Manning's coming back or he's not, I think is next Monday. That's my prediction, that we're going to see an announcement Monday morning. It might get broken Sunday afternoon, but Wake won't announce this until Monday, right as we're talking about our brackets. So this can get swept right underneath the rug. We're going to be talking about March Madness. The country's going to be talking about March Madness. And nobody's going to be talking about Danny Manning and Wake Basketball. It's the right thing to do, I think. 
I don't root against Danny Manning. I have nothing against Danny Manning. The guy's a basketball legend. He's been graceful. He's been great to deal with in terms of just being a nice guy. He's never popped off throughout this entire process. So I'll give him that, and his teams, they always play hard. The problem is he just hasn't had a lot of talent this year. And it's okay if you have attrition in year one, year two. But year five, I don't want to hear about attrition. I don't want to hear about you not having enough talent. I don't want to hear about youth. I just don't. So I think it is the right decision to move on. And if you are somebody who believes he should come back, I'm always interested in what the argument is. What is the argument for bringing Danny Manning back? But before you bring up a buyout figure, I think you should answer the question by taking money out of the equation. If you take the $18 million buyout, as reported by Jeff Goodman way back in the winter, if you take that out of the equation, what would the decision be? If you didn't have to pay an $18 million buyout in order to get rid of Danny Manning, what would you do? If the answer to the question is, Somebody could do a better job than Danny Manning's doing right now. That if money were no object, you would put somebody else in that spot. Then what are we even talking about? You made up your mind. You know what's best. Now you just find a way to get the money. And John Curry, that's one of the biggest check marks, biggest boxes he checks is he's a great fundraiser coming from Tennessee most recently and spending several years at K-State, the new AD at Wake Forest. If you're a Wake fan, I'd love your thoughts at 336-777-1600. Whoa! What's that sound? Oh, wait a minute. I know what that sound is. It is ACC Tournament Week. That's the sound that Desmond Johnson will play all week. And no matter what we're doing in the show... We have to interrupt content in order to update the ACC tournament. Notre Dame leads Georgia Tech 45 to 29. That's that's almost that's going to be an upset if that stays. Uh Notre Dame's giving them all the smoke right now. They're the 15th worst seed. record in the ACC. Notre Dame up 16 on Georgia Tech March. That is a very annoying disruptive sound. Like it? That horn there. Yeah. So that That's what we're going to do now. The rest of the week, during ACC play, during the ACC tournament, just at random spots in the show, you're going to interrupt everything. You're going to scare me, too. Whether it's in an interview or something else that we're doing, you can interrupt everything by throwing that into the fray. That's how we're going to do it. You can tweet the show at Sports Hub Triad. Desmond Johnson is taking your calls at 336-777-1600. Let's go to Tim and Clemens very quickly. Tim, you're on the Sports Hub. What's up, Tim? Hello? Tim, go right ahead. Uh, yes, I have a question. Who is Danny Manning's agent? Danny Manning's agent. I don't know. Who is he? I, I'm asking you because I want to get in contact with him because he negotiated. He pulled one of the slickest moves 
probably in, in, in college basketball coaching history as far as negotiating contracts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Manning got rewarded for going to one. Count, it, count them one first four game. I don't even – if my team <laughs> makes the first four, I have a hard time considering – and they did that about three or four years ago. <laughs> I have a hard time even considering they made the tournament until they win that game. So who negotiated this contract? It's bizarre. I heard so so many uh, glowing tributes to the outgoing athletic director, but he had to have a hand in this. Oh, yeah. Da- Danny Manning isn't the only person on one side of the table. Appreciate the call, Tim. Obviously, there's an agent at work. Obviously, Ron Wellman was negotiating it as well. And I think it's pretty obvious, too, Ron Wellman didn't want to deal anymore with basketball contracts. He wanted that contract he extended Danny Manning with two years ago to be the last contract extension he's ever done and ever will do before retiring. And now he is retiring. But he said in the press conference when he retired and John Curry was being introduced, it will be his decision to fix basketball. It will be his decision What happens with Danny Manning? So he's still on the hook a little bit. And let's not just single out Wake Forest for taking a chance, taking a leap with this kind of contract. NC State did the same thing right now with year two for Kevin Keats. Now, I think Kevin Keats is a great basketball coach, but it is year two. And how many NCAA tournament wins does NC State and Kevin Keats have under his belt. They went last year, and if they lose to Clemson tomorrow, they might not be in this year yet. He got the extension this year. That's just the business you operate in, in the ACC, where you got Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams in your state. The way you have to handle business, you got to go all in on somebody. Because if you don't prove to them that you are behind them and back them time and time again, uh, they, they might leave to go elsewhere. They just might. And that's why I think it's wise for NC State to lock up Kevin Gates, but it also is a risk. And the risk for NC State is looking at what happened with Wake Forest when they extended Danny Manning two years ago. So I do think it's the right thing to do, but it wasn't all bad for Danny Manning. If you make it past four years in college basketball or college football, It's because you've done something right. Going to a first four game, having a lottery pick that when he entered Wake Forest certainly was not that. Beating NC State several times. It wasn't all bad for Danny Manning, but I do think it's time to move on. It's not all black and white. It's not this guy's the greatest, so he should uh, should stay. And it's not this guy is the worst, and it's the easiest possible decision. You need to let him go. The Drive is brought to you in part by our friends at Pie Guys Pizza and more. Go grab the Graham Slam Pizza. It's still available. Kinnaman Village Commons right off of Louisville Clemens Road. Order online, pieguys.com. Dine-in, takeout, delivery. They cater. They have gift certificates as well. Try the Graham Slam. Let us know what you think. And we'll get to some of your tweets as well at Sports Hub Triad. 
Philip writes in, good discussion so far, year five. It's hard to find a good reason for another season. And the first time I thought the players looked disinterested at times this season and didn't compete as hard as I think they've done in prior seasons. I wouldn't go that far. I think the effort has always been there. Even today, Wake was down a ton against Miami. Things weren't going right. They played hard till the very end. When things got away and they lost the lead at Duke, they continued the battle. When they blew the 22-point lead against NC State in 10 minutes in the second half at home, they found a way to resolve and still win that game. If you're looking for areas to commend the job Danny Manning's done, I think you start with effort because that's always been there in my mind. Real, real quick, I, people need to understand that our Wake Forest fans that might be wanting to push Danny out the door. Wake Forest has only ever had three five-star recruits ever in history, and Danny has brought one of those right. guys in and Jalen But here's the problem. I don't – it's – winning at Wake Forest is never going to be about how many five-star kids you oh, bring Oh, I know. In. Yeah, it's oh, not, totally, totally, it's, totally. This is a developmental school. Right. And by that, I mean it's not about the talent you bring in. It's what you turn that talent into. I think the focus is You're not going to beat out North Carolina and you're not going to beat out Duke in recruiting. You're not going to do it and you're in the same state. So the coaching is much more important than the recruiting here at Wake Forest. Not to say recruiting isn't important. I don't want to make it out to be that way. Obviously it is. But coaching and development, that's the most important thing. Allison Williams from ESPN will be doing the nightcap tonight, the sidelines for ESPN. She has, I think, the late games tomorrow and Thursday as well. So she's going to be covering the ACC tournament all week for ESPN. She will join us in 15 minutes. But coming up, what does the price of admission really earn you? Keep it here on The Drive. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub. Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Reminder that Thursday and Friday we will be broadcasting live from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, the site of the ACC tournament, which is already underway. Wake Forest falling to Miami in the opener, and right now I'm looking at the score of this Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game. And Notre Dame, despite the fact they're the 15th seed out of 15 teams, they're leading Georgia Tech at halftime, 52 to 32. Allison Williams works the sidelines for ESPN and we'll be doing so this week for the night games at the ACC tournament. So you're not doing this game right now. So what I like to picture is that you're like in the tunnel shadow boxing, getting ready for tonight's game. You've got Pittsburgh later on tonight and uh, we appreciate you squeezing in some time with us. Do I have that image right? I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble, so sure, we can we can go with that. We don't need to let the facts get in the way of a, of a good story. <laughs> it does tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow, um, tomorrow we got NC State Clemson, which is a big deal around here in terms, and also nationally when it comes to um, tournament slots in the NCAA. And a lot of people believe that it's going to be a play-in game for the tournament. But if the, do you buy the idea that the loser is necessarily disqualified from making the field of sixty-four? No, I don't think you lose. I don't think it's a win you're in and a lose you're out type deal. I think it certainly helps the winner. Um, I talked to Kevin Keats about it yesterday. He seems fairly confident that his team is in either way. Um, the, the bubble isn't super strong this year and the ACC is very strong. So I could still see both teams getting in regardless of the outcome of that game. But 
let's be real. I mean, th- these are people making these decisions. And for as much as the entire body of work will be taken into consideration, into consideration and all that, at the end of the day, like you're left with these memories, the most prominent, the most recent ones. So um, I think for North Carolina State, you really need a win. Clemson certainly helps. Um, but I don't think it's an elimination game when it comes to the tournament. You've covered a lot of North Carolina, a lot of Duke this year. Do you feel like there's unfinished business between Duke and North Carolina with Zion essentially missing both of the meetings because there is that scenario Friday night that these two teams can meet and Zion will be in the lineup. I think so. I think for Zion personally, if you go to Duke, one of the reasons you go is to play in that rivalry game. I had um, their final game before they played North Carolina and talked to RJ Barrett about it post game and he said as much as that, like, you look forward to this rivalry. When you decide to don the Duke blue, you know at some point you're going to be playing Carolina a couple times. And it's one of the marquee matchups, not just in college basketball, but in all of sports. It just means more to these guys. So I think for Zion, on a, on a competitive level, he wants his crack at Carolina. Allison Williams with us from ESPN covering the ACC tournament this week, Pittsburgh and Boston College, the nightcap tonight at 7 o'clock. I'm looking forward to seeing what ESPN's coverage is going to look like for the ACC moving forward. We've seen kind of a template of what it might be like with what the SEC network has been with their relationship with ESPN. With the ACC network launching in August, what, what, give us an idea for what you think the coverage is going to look like for ACC uh, on ESPN beyond this season. That's a great question, Josh. I really, I don't know at this point. I think they're still trying to figure that out. I think a lot of that is still very fluid and in the works. Obviously, there is the example set forth by a very successful conference network in the SEC, but I also know that there will be an effort to differentiate from that and to make the ACC its own unique platform because it's its own unique conference with different histories and traditions and strengths and weaknesses. So I honestly, I do not know. I have not been involved in those discussions. Uh, I think they are ongoing and formulating as we speak. And I know a lot of those people making those decisions will be here in Charlotte um, and working very closely with the conference as they do shape what the future coverage of the conference on ESPN looks like. In, in our business, I don't think there's a more difficult job that somebody's asked to do than to be a sideline reporter. When you are tasked with speaking to a coach in a moment, the last thing he's thinking about is you. And earlier in the <laughs> season, you had the exchange with Chris Mack that he later apologized for him being short. Would that be a contender for the most difficult halftime interview you've ever conducted? Um, no, I don't, I don't think Chris was especially difficult. Um, he was contrite, but that was also after we had a little bit of a back and forth. I think the more difficult ones have been when they don't give you anything from the very beginning, uh, when they're clearly not wanting to talk to you. Um, no, I, I, I mean, look, was it, one of my most insightful halftime interviews no um but I also think it got a little bit blown out of proportion and I don't think is really a reflection of who he is as a person or as a coach I mean I've definitely dealt with worse at the halves and I've I've definitely dealt with coaches who were much 
ruder in their responses um, than Chris was. Is there a story early on that stands out? These these coaches in the ACC, they're more polished than what you would find, say, in sports that don't get as much coverage. And anybody who gets mm-hmm. into this business, they're not, they don't just parachute into the ACC. That's likely not where you start. Is there... A time, I'm not sure if traumatizing is the word, but early on you learned just how difficult this job can be at points. Oh, I'm trying to think of a specific moment. Um, I had a rather awkward halftime interview with Mark Richt when he was at Georgia. I think they were playing Kentucky and tried to talk to him about like the momentum in the game going into the half. It clearly shifted in Kentucky's favor and and he basically told me it was halftime. There was no momentum. Um, so <laughs> that wasn't especially pleasant. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's been moments here and there. I, I had one with Tom Izzo, who's one of my absolute favorite coaches to cover. But it was also, and interestingly enough, it kind of was a similar situation to with Chris Mack um, when he was really furious with the officiating. Aaron Kraft was playing Ohio State. And a lot of hand checking going on that wasn't getting called and Kraft was kind of like notorious for getting away with that. And so Izzo was mad and I asked him what he was mad about. And he had, a, I think he said like a lot and I followed up and he gave me a great answer, but it was, um, it was one of those kind of like gut check moments. Like this is Tom Izzo hall of famer, a coach I grew up idolizing in Michigan. And I could tell he didn't really want to go there with me. And I was like, am I going to, take one more step and get him to expand on that. And I did, and he did. And it was one of my more memorable um, half times that I thought had like real value to it because he, he did in the follow-up explain what had him so riled up. And it was like my first game on a super Tuesday game with big um, with uh, Mike Tirico and Dan Dockage. And I was kind of, you know, thrown on the game last minute and had to prove myself a little bit. And it was, like I said, a little bit of a gut check moment, but I think it, it all worked out. Follow Allison Williams on Twitter at AllisonW underscore sports. Watch her coverage of the ACC tournament on ESPN. What makes covering a conference tournament as an assignment different, unique from normal assignments that you get? College basketball in March. Yeah, well, first of all, it's that. It's college basketball in March. It's the winner-go-home mentality. For me, though, it's kind of a payoff at the end of a long season, right? Like, you've been in this conference all year. Say 90% of my Saturday games are in the ACC. I cover Big Monday as well. So it's kind of this conference you live in throughout the season. And then the payoff at the end is to be able to to be there for a championship game. And it's really special. It's it's definitely not something I take for granted. Um, Watching these guys experience the payoff of a season of hard work and and the time and the sweat they put into this when you see them cut down the net um hoist the trophy it's it's really special to be a part of and it's fun you know when you're playing the back-to-back days and different teams are advancing the storylines that develop the approaches coaches take but you know how much it means to these guys especially in the acc um, there's a lot of pride in this conference, and I think that's what makes the tournament so special. And there's so much on the line for each of these teams, and the seniors especially, guys who know it's their last go-round, that to be able to be a part of the emotion and then some of the historical performances we get to see at different years, uh, it's special. It's, like I said, it's, it's definitely something I don't take for granted. Even if you're not shadow boxing in the tunnel getting ready for your, your next <laughs> broadcast, we wish you the best of luck with the rest of the tournament, and we'll see you out in Charlotte later in the week. Thanks for doing this, Allison. You got it. Thanks, Josh. You got it. That's Allison Williams on Twitter at AllisonW 
underscore sports covering the ACC tournament for ESPN. Listen up, everybody. There has been a lot of talk. talk. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We've got two pair of Charlotte Hornets tickets to give away, and we'll do that momentarily. What's happening? So, uh, Notre Dame was up 20 points on Georgia Tech starting the second half. Georgia Tech cut this down to three, but Notre Dame escapes and moves on to tomorrow's uh, second round. 78-71 was the final. Uh, John Mooney from Notre Dame with 14 points in the win. I think we need a horn that's a little less startling because <laughs> I legitimately got scared. You did kind of jump up a little there. I was scared by the horn. <laughs> this We need a better horn sound for the rest of the ACC tournament where you just randomly interrupt whatever we're doing and give us the score update by the game that's either just ended or is already in progress. See if you could find something switch it up that's a little... little because. I'm picturing somebody in their car who's legitimately concerned with what's happening either on the air or looking around and hopefully isn't driving off the road into a ditch. Yeah, please don't do that. No. No. So, Des, please rectify that issue. Speaking of the ACC, Danny Manning, Wake's next basketball coach. If Wake's able to figure something out or wants to move on from Danny Manning, who should that guy be? Denzel and Ridgeway has an answer for us. Denzel, what are you thinking? Uh, Mike Young graduated from him with him at Emory and Henry. I played ball with him. I think he'd make a great candidate if he would leave Walford, but I don't know if he'll leave. Yeah, he was at Emory and Henry, and then he went to Wofford. He's been at Wofford for 30 years. So I, I, I don't envision him, and I'm looking it up now, he's 55 years old and he's been at Wofford for 30 years I don't know if that's a guy who's going to move off of Wofford, especially when you have other options for guys who have been successful, who are younger and full of energy, if you're going to go to the Southern Conference or go the mid-major route. So that is a good idea. He's an excellent coach, and Wofford's been to the tournament a couple of times since 2015, and they didn't lose a conference game this year. But I don't know if that's going to be the direction Wake Forest goes in. Manny and Greensboro's first up to win the Charlotte Hornets tickets. If you want them, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. These tickets are for next Thursday night. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves facing the Hornets, a 7 o'clock tip. If you want those tickets, 336-777-1600. Manny, are you ready to go? I'm ready, Josh. To get these tickets, all you have to do is tell me who Boston College basketball coach is. Uh, dang, you got me again. See you, man. Thanks. That's one we've been doing all year long. He said you got me again. <laughs> nobody, nobody knows the name of Boston College's basketball coach. I defy you. I defy you to tell me. You might watch Boston College Pittsburgh at seven o'clock tonight. They might say his name. But if I ask you that question tomorrow, you could study this all day. You probably have just Googled it right now. In fact, I bet Mark in advance is Googling it right now, thinking I'm going to ask him that question. Wrong. (laughs) But 
tomorrow, I guarantee you, if I ask that question again, you're not going to get it right. You're not going to know who the head coach of Boston College is. Des is staring at me with a blank stare, and I think I've told him several times who I, the coach is this year. I see his face. No, you don't. I do. Cause What's we he just, look like? He's, he's a white guy. He's an older white guy. Thank he's kind you. of got a round, kind of older white guy face. What kind face. of hair is, does he have? It's like a, kind of like a salt and pepper thing going on. Like a like almost kind of gray, kind of brownish. Mark in advance is up next. Was that right? <laughs> no, well I guess, but you were being very vague. Mark in advance, are you ready? Mark, are you ready? I think so. Who coaches Georgia Tech? Josh Pastner. <laughs> All right, you got a pair of tickets for Hornets Timberwolves next Thursday night. Thanks for listening. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. 336-777-1600. I thought he was going to show off there at the very end and give me the name of Boston College's basketball coach. That might be something we recircle to if if we so need it. David Glenn is going to join us in about an hour. DG and I will be out in Charlotte Thursday and Friday of this week. He will be doing his show, of course, noon to 3. I will be on from 3 to 6 live Thursday and Friday. And we might have another pair of Hornets tickets to give away a little bit later on in the week. But we have one more pair to give away now for next Thursday night. As Charlotte looks to try and make the playoffs one more time. And uh, I don't know if they're going to get there. They might be in tanking mode, considering what it looks like right now. It's Kimball Walker and just a bunch of guys right now. I don't know what the best route is for them, but it's always entertaining going to watch Hornets basketball. And since we're doing our show from Spectrum Center Thursday and Friday and we carry the Hornets here, might as well be a good time to give away some of these tickets. Let's go to Jason and Baloo's Creek. Jason, you're on the sports hub. Are you ready, Jason? I think so. Who's Clemson's head coach? Uh, Brad Brownell? Yeah! I'm proud. I'm proud. I feel like we're making this audience smarter day by day. Jason, you nailed it. I feel smarter already. Thank you, Jason. Enjoy the game. I love talking and conversing with you. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. Yes, this was the number one song on the Billboard Top 100, Hot 100, in 2005. The last time LeBron James didn't make the playoffs. A little bit of Fitty bringing us back. David Glenn will join us in a little less than 15 minutes. Wake Forest loses to Miami earlier today. I almost forgot who they lost to. Doesn't really matter. Wake Forest... They loses in the they lost in the first round of the ACC tournament. It's another eleven and twenty year for Danny Manning, and I, I'm getting a little sentimental, a little emotional because I'm watching Raycom's ACC tournament coverage, and I know this is the last time we're going to see it. Raycom to me is just it's fond childhood memories to me, something I've known my entire life. 
it was really cool to see Raycom open its final ACC tournament intro with the Jefferson pilot old Salem with the with the pilot uh, jingle. And that was pretty cool to see. So I do want to take a couple of stories if you may have them. DG earlier today was going off about this too with Raycom and wheeling in the old television into your elementary school room or your middle school or high school. I don't remember much growing up outside of Raleigh, it being there when I was in kindergarten, first or second grade. But when I was in fourth or fifth grade, that's when I started to notice it and started watching these games during lunch and during some classes. And then when I got into middle school and high school, it was just an expectation that this would happen. So if you remember the teacher that would let you watch, if you remember the class that you were likely having interrupted because of the ACC tournament, 336-777-1600 is your ticket to the program. I do believe Danny Manning has coached his last game at Wake Forest. I like Danny as a person. I think his players play hard for him. I think five years is a success in today's college basketball. It's hard to last anywhere in the Power Five for five years especially at a place that's had basketball pedigree such as Wake Forest has. So I don't want to say all negative things about Danny Manning today, but I believe the powers that be, they've already made their mind. The powers that be have decided that they're going to decide elsewhere, decide that somebody else should lead the program. That's my prediction. That's what I think is going to happen He's been under a bright microscope since the Houston Baptist loss on Black Friday. Since then, losing to Richmond and Gardner-Webb. They wouldn't announce anything this week if they were to make a decision, just like they did with Jeff Bezdelic. They didn't announce that until after the ACC tournament was over. So I don't think they want to take away shine from the ACC tournament. So the soonest you might hear anything is probably next Monday. As for people who might be qualified to replace him, I'm seeing a lot of names thrown out there. Some I don't think is realistic. Rick Barnes, for instance, is coaching a top five, top ten quality program right now at Tennessee. I know he has ties to John Curry. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think Bruce Weber, even though John Curry hired him at Kansas State, is realistic either. Greg Marshall is somebody I'd circle a dozen times if I'm Wake Forest. Ties to this area. South Carolina guy, coached at Winthrop, went to the Final Four. The big question is if Wake wants to shell out that kind of coin to be competitive again. It's not just the buyout, which from what, I heard, what I've heard is between 12 to $14 million, not what Jeff Goodman's reported, which is $18 million. Either way, it's a lot, of, a lot of money. It's Greg Marshall being the 12th highest paid college basketball coach right now, according to something that was put up by USA Today just in the last couple of weeks. John Calipari's first on that list. Mike Krzyzewski's second. Tony Bennett's in the top five. Chris Mack is in the top five. Greg Marshall's making just a little bit more than Rick Barnes and Archie Miller, making just a little bit more than Roy Williams, than Shaka Smart. I'd prefer Greg Marshall over Shaka Smart. I know there's Wake fans who are connecting dots with John Curry posting photos in Austin yesterday thinking that that might be part of the reason he's over there. 
if you're going to make Wake competitive again, you're going to have to pay for a high-quality coach. You're going to have to pay him probably top 20 money in college basketball. Greg Marshall at Wichita State in the American. Just a couple years ago, they were in the Missouri Valley Conference. 12th highest paid coach in college basketball, making $3.5 million a year. Because if you're not going after those guys, then you welcome the Ryan Odom and Wes Miller discussions. Wes Miller, with local success, almost put UNC Greensboro into the tournament again, but lost last night. Ryan Odom with his dad, of course, and knocking off Virginia in the NCAA tournament as the head coach of UMBC. But I want to hear ACC tournament stories and what you have to think about Wake Forest. Let's go through a couple of these at 336-777-1600 before getting to David Glenn. James and Clemens are on the sports app. Give me an ACC tournament memory watching on Raycom, James. We would have it rolled in in our geometry class, and my coach was the geometry teacher, and he would let us all just sit there and enjoy the game. And then as soon as the selection was done for the, the 64 back then, he would let you pick a name out of a hat. And if that team went all the way, you were given an A. How did you do? Oh, I never got an A. <laughs> Thanks for the call, James. That's a great story. Um, one that I think of, it was Miss Sabula. That was her name. Miss Sabula taught science in eighth grade. I had her right after lunch. And we'd get in there, and she'd get to the front of the room, and she'd say, listen, don't tell anybody that we're doing this. But I'm not just going to roll out the TV. I'm going to put it on a projector. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. So rather than learn about evolution or whatever, we were watching <laughs> Clemson play Boston College, or I guess back then it would have been Clemson playing um, Florida State in in uh, the ACC tournament first round. Also, I think of the teacher's name was Miss Penny. She's a math teacher. She's a big Tar Heel fan. And I remember North Carolina was playing a big basketball game. I forget who they were playing. And I was interested in watching this, but we had a strict teacher right after lunch. And I I said to her, I don't think he's going to let me watch it. So I I grabbed an old radio, put it in my pocket, and I had headphones that I moved up my sleeve and into my my ear. And I I kind of arched my head over it so you couldn't tell I was watching it. But he figured it out. He figured it out and took away my radio. He took it away, and I thought I was screwed. I thought I wasn't going to find out who won this game. But Miss Penny, much to the chagrin of this teacher, Mr. Lowry, it was economics class. I was in high school. He walks, she walks into the room and says, I don't know if anybody might be interested in this, but North Carolina just won at the buzzer against whoever it was and walked out. Mr. Lowry was incensed, but she knew I was in this class. It might be interested to know that North Carolina had just won the game at the buzzer. Not because I was a Tar Heel fan, but it had to have been like pretty far into the tournament, a pretty good matchup for me to be interested in that. My, the, the biggest memory I have is probably the first one of watching it in school. Fourth grade AG class, my teacher, Miss Carmichael, was a huge North Carolina fan. And um, with it being fourth grade, you're not changing classes or anything like that. You're with the same teacher all day. So she let us know right off top at the beginning of that week when when we figured out what the seedings were going to be and Carolina was the one seed. Oh, that's a noon game. We're going to be watching the Carolina game. I love I love that we never forget the teachers' names too. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. Miss Abola, I think somebody killed her killed her rat 
which was not a nice thing to do. She was a science teacher. She had what? a rat. <laughs> Wait, Ungodly what? things. It wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know who did it. Statute of limitations. I don't know if they've passed. <laughs> I was not involved right. in the harming of this rat. But I will never forget Miss Sabula because she had us singing songs about, like, uh, planets and such. And also watched the ACC tournament right after lunch on a big projector screen. Really appreciated that. <laughs> Moving things back over to Wake. Gerald and King. Gerald, what do you got on Wake? Hey, what's going on, Josh? How you doing, man? Doing great. What's up? Hey, uh, I got two things to say about Wake real quick. Uh, the last two games that they played in the regular season was probably the best two I've seen them play all year. Did you watch today's game? No, I was at work, man. I just got <laughs> off. I well, I hate to it. break it to you. This was not one well, of their best performances me. today. <laughs> yeah, but the effort they put into those previous two games, I just wonder where it's been all year. Okay, so you like the effort from what you've seen the last two games. That's one thing. What's the other thing you got for me? The other thing, as long as you've got Roy Williams and Coach K in the state of North Carolina, anybody that they hire at Wake Forest is going to have to be a heck of a recruiter. It's such a true statement there, Gerald. Really appreciate it. At Wake Forest, the most important thing is not recruiting. It's not. You're going to get out-recruited by North Carolina and Duke just as long as Coach K and Roy Williams are there. It's about what you turn the talent into at Wake. Taking a three-star and making him five-star quality. Taking a John Collins and making him a lottery pick. That's what's necessary. And right now, the players that Danny Manning has just aren't ACC caliber players, most of them. I like Chondi Brown. I like Jalen Horde. Heck, I like Brandon Childress. I mean, my goodness, he gives us a ton of memories. But by and large, because of attrition, which I will be willing to give Danny Manning a pass on in year one, but not in year five. And just striking out a couple times in recruiting, it it hasn't. This is not an ACC roster. This is not a roster up to standard, and it's not just this year. It's going 11-20 and in back-to-back seasons. But I actually have been fine with the effort that Wake puts in. It's one of the things I will commend Danny Manning for, that he has players that play hard, even though it would be very easy on some nights to check out. Wake hasn't done that. Up 22 against NC State. They blow that lead. It would be the easiest thing for Wake to do to roll over at the end since they had already relinquished the lead against a more talented team. But no, Wake Forest resolved, found a way to win that game. Western Carolina, bleep's not going right after losing to Houston Baptist. You go to overtime, you find a way. And they did. Wake Forest down by 10 with two minutes left to go against Miami. You close the game on a 16-5 to run and win it behind big shots from your leader, Brandon Childress. They play hard for him. And he's been classy throughout this entire process. So this is not an indictment on Danny Manning. This isn't saying Danny Manning is a complete failure because he's out after five years. In today's college basketball, if you're coaching in the Power Five and you're coaching at a basketball school in the Power Five, five years is, is I think, longer than what the normal life expectancy at a current gig is. And coaching, you're always renting. You're never really buying unless you're Mike Young at Wofford or you're Roy Williams or you're Mike Krzyzewski. Everybody else, they're renting.
Is there unfinished business between North Carolina and Duke? David Glenn joins to discuss next. Okay, here we go. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. You're not going to believe this. A high school classmate of mine just corrected me on something I said about how we consumed Raycom and a specific teacher, her name Miss Sabula, would let us in science class right after lunch and watch a game on the big projector. I got a big detail wrong. I said that some students may have acted irresponsibly and done harm to the pet um, rat that she had. It was not a rat. (laughs) It was, in fact, a rabbit named Gizmo. Somebody (laughs) let him out of the cage he ate a pencil and died. So the main question now is, did you think it was a rat the whole time? And now someone's just telling you it was really a rabbit? Oh, no, no. Now I remember. <laughs> okay. Gizmo the rabbit, he ate a pencil and died. A pencil? Unfortunate. Yeah. Sorry to Gizmo. I don't think that was related to the Raycom coverage. But no. David Glenn now with us. And I got to give uh, DG some props. Super Dad David Glenn. Spending some time with us, our early afternoon host that you could listen to, noon to three. We were hanging out in Chapel Hill for Duke in North Carolina over the weekend, and DG told me the news that his daughter is has uh, has been invited or has been uh, earned the honor of attending Governor's School. Congratulations on that, DG. Thank you, Josh. It's great to be with you as always. That was fantastic family news. I mean, you just. You hope to raise your children in a happy, healthy environment, and you just hope that they will reach for the stars and achieve at least some of their dreams. And Avery has really achieved in both soccer uh, and also in chorus. So, yeah, I knew a little bit about Governor's School just being here the last 30-plus years. Now I know a lot more about it. And my junior and high school daughter will be spending six consecutive weeks on a college campus um, which is, you know, an unusual wrinkle for our household, but uh, certainly it's an achievement worth celebrating for those who know what the Governor's School is all about. You and I have both been talking about today stories from school, but you didn't grow up in the state of North Carolina. You didn't go through elementary, middle, and high school in, in North Carolina. You were up north in the Pennsylvania uh, area, in the state of Pennsylvania, so you wouldn't really relate to the ACC coverage, watching on Raycom in school, I would think. But do you, was there any sporting event you remember watching in school that teachers would let you watch up there? I remember parades. Because remember, Philly is very much a pro sports place, more than college, and it's 95% pro sports in the headlines. So when the Philadelphia Phillies, for example, would be in the World Series, or the Philadelphia 76ers would be in the NBA Finals, or the Philadelphia Flyers won a couple of Stanley Cups. You know, most of those games would be at night, of course, so there'd be no reason to wheel the TV set into the classroom in the middle of the afternoon the way there would be for the ACC tournament. But when those teams won it all, and it happened a few times when I was a youngster, the parade, of course, would take take place during the day, often on a weekday. So you'd be at school. Some kids were lucky enough to go to the parade. You know, their mom or dad would let them take the day off. But the rest of us 
you know, the Phillies won it all in 1980, and that was a huge thing. Great baseball city, Philadelphia. And there we were at St. Simon and Jude Elementary School in Westchester, Pennsylvania, rolling in the TVs. Uh, and I went to a Catholic school, so we needed approval from the nun who was the principal, the nun who was my eighth grade teacher, and a lot of others to pull that off. So I have a version of that great tradition celebrated here in North Carolina, but no, it didn't have anything to do with college sports. Wake Forest lost today in the first game of the ACC tournament first round to Miami, 79-71. You and I both believe that Danny Manning's days at Wake are likely finished, that this was his last game coaching for the Deeks, him just finishing his fifth season, second consecutive year that the Deeks are 11-20 and 20 at season's end. If this is, in fact, the end for Danny Manning at Wake Forest, how would you sum up the Danny Manning era? Disappointing. Better than the Jeff Bozdelic era, which was four straight miserable years. And remember, these combined nine years came after a two-decade stretch where guys like Dave Odom and Skip Prosser and Dino Gaudio took the Demon Deacons to 14 NCAA tournaments in a 20-year period. That's not quite Duke or Carolina-level production, but it's better than anybody else in this state over that 20-year period. And to go from that to 0 for 4 under Bazdelic and then 1 out of 5 under Danny Manning, with the other four, remember, not being NIT seasons, but losing seasons near the bottom of the ACC type seasons, you know, a couple of 14th place finishes in a 15 team league, et cetera. It's a credit to him that he got him to the NCAA tournament in 2017. It's a credit that he signed guys like a John Collins and sent him into the NBA lottery, even a Jalen Horde, a freshman on this year's team. He did some good things, but as we've discussed, the endless transfers, the guys leaving early, even though they're not on the NBA radar. Uh, the guys trans, uh, being dismissed in some cases beyond the transfers. That that attrition level when you're trying to compete in what is often the best college basketball conference in America, it, it just if it happens in your first year, you understand it. If it's still happening four and five years in, it's hard to explain. It's not easy to pull the trigger on that big buyout, but if I were in charge, I would do exactly that, and I would start my coaching search right now because if you started it right now, uh, you would kind of get a jump on anybody else out there who might might make a change, and, and Wake Forest is still a very desirable job and a very desirable conference. I agree with pretty much everything you just said there, and I think if they are going to make a move, I doubt it's going to be this week. I don't think they're going to take away shine from the ACC tournament. I think last time when they fired Jeff Bezdelic, they waited until after the tournament was over too, and we'll see some of the details that are going to come out after the fact, with John Curry being the new director of athletics, effective May the 1st, Ron Wellman said it's still his decision to make, and Danny Manning was asked by Ed Harden of the Greensboro News and Record after today's game how he felt about his job status. He said that he feels like he's going to be able to coach this young group. He said the things that he needs to say. He says he's looking forward to coach, uh, working with John Curry, the new director of athletics, and we'll find out in due time if he's going to be given a chance to work with John Curry over the next uh, the next couple of weeks. Do you like or do you feel like there's unfinished business between Duke and North Carolina with Zion missing essentially both of the regular season meetings? There's a chance they can play on Friday night if both the Blue Devils and the Tar Heels win on Thursday. Do you believe there's unfinished business there? 
Absolutely, yes. There's no doubt about it. Now that Zion Williamson just collected his first National Player of the Year award, Sporting News gave that to him, and he's likely to be the first consensus National Player of the Year in the ACC since 2008 when UNC's Tyler Hansbrough did it. So it's been longer than most people would guess for such a prominent conference that has had guys like Ralph Sampson and Michael Jordan and David Thompson earn that consensus National Player of the Year level and others, Tim Duncan, etc. Can you imagine the contrast between Hansbrough, legendary Tar Heel, and the stories that are still told about his 4-0 record in Cameron Indoor Stadium and his overall body of work, in his case, as a four-year player. Can you imagine a Zion Williamson just coming and going from that great rivalry or this great conference, and we only saw 30 or so seconds before an exploding shoe uh, left, left us to wonder for all of eternity what might have happened? And to hold you up real quick, and to hold you up real quick, that's the biggest... Duke Carolina Part 3, of course, we just have to wait to see if we're going to get it. And to hold you up really quickly, sorry to interrupt you, that's what you just highlighted is the biggest difference between Zion and his injury, and Kyrie Irving. We didn't see Kyrie Irving face North Carolina his two, actually three times, the Blue Devils met the Tar Heels back uh, in 2011 because he's been injured, and he was injured pretty much the entire season. Zion is the National Player of the Year, the ACC Player of the Year, and we haven't seen it. That's the biggest difference. Kyrie was not a National Player of the Year, even though he was the first overall pick. Right, and I think with you know we'll see how much rust Zion has starting Thursday. But let's remember that Duke was a 23-2 and basketball team when he was in the lineup. And they're only 3-3 three and three without him, and they almost lost at home to Wake Forest, and they got swept by the Tar Heels. So it's not a slight difference, Duke, with or without Zion. It's a night and day difference, Duke, with and without Zion. We'll see about the rust, but he would, of course, have had a game back prior to perhaps Duke Carolina round three, and, and maybe just that opener – uh, allowing him to shake some rust off might give the Tar Heels at least something close to the 100% version of Zion, and, and I don't know who would root against that. Taking a quick left turn, David Glenn's with us, our early afternoon host that you could listen to noon to 3 right here on the Sports Up. You are a season ticket holder for the Carolina Hurricanes. You've been giving away tickets for a long time on your show, and you have great seats right behind the glass. And the Carolina Hurricanes haven't made the playoffs since 2009. However, through 69 games out of 82, the Hurricanes this year have 83 points, which matches the total of points they had last year through the entire season. And the Hurricanes, since New Year's Eve, sport a 23-7-2 record. They're 11-1-2 in their last 14 road games, including last night a win against the Colorado Avalanche. They seem to be the hottest team in hockey. They're doing it with a new owner. They're doing it with a new coach. You're in the building. You've gotten to know Tom Dundon a little bit. You can sense the difference probably in culture between what it was in the last few years and what it's been this season. Do you buy the Hurricanes as a legitimate contender potentially for the Stanley Cup considering how hot they are right now and uh, the time of year it is? Answer yes. Now, I wouldn't pick them among the first few teams. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning and some others have even more talent and a much more impressive body of work. But just to go from perennially irrelevant, and most of those nine straight non-playoff years, not all that close to getting a playoff bid, to go from there to here, 
where you're not in yet. You got to keep winning, but there is a great chance they finally break that drought. The good news is the Lightning and some of the other better teams are either in the Western Conference or in the opposite division in the Eastern Conference. So if you can just make the playoffs and end up with, you know, a Pittsburgh or a New York Islanders team in the first round, there's nobody in the Canes' own division they can't beat. And that's what's exciting about hockey. Sometimes you can make the playoffs in the NBA and know your team has absolutely no chance. They'd be underdogs against the elite teams for sure. But against most of the playoff teams, the Canes would be just as good as anybody else. And that, and that is so, so different than the occasional helpless feeling that Caniacs had over this almost decade now that, that it's going to be worth cheering no matter how it ends. DG, you're broadcasting your show uh, the same two days we're going to be out there, right? You're going to be out Thursday and Friday at the ACC tournament. Do I got that right? Correct. All right, man. We got we got a six-hour block from noon to six o'clock. It's going to be DG. It's going to be me. We're we're going to hang out in Charlotte. You got to show me the ropes. This this is my first ACC tournament, and certainly the first one I've been to in Charlotte. You got to show me what's up with right, the well, hospitality department, all of it. Twelve-hour day on Thursday, a twelve-hour day on Friday, and then a little downtime late Friday night, and for much of Saturday. Because remember, all day you have all day Saturday leading up to uh, the ACC title game on, under the modern format. It was different back in the day, so I had to plan my social calendar differently. But uh, it's going to have it's going to be great to have you by my side and just kind of uh, get back to our roots together as we give uh, the triad hopefully a bunch of straight hours of some really good sports radio. DG, you're the best. We'll see you in Charlotte. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Josh. Always fun, but take care. You got it.